0: You guys are absolutely nuts. I mean, who comes here on a weekend like this? It's freezing cold and raining in your ear, and it's absolutely awesome. And I want to tell you, like, doing what you're doing is crazy, but that's a great sign, because I'm telling you, the people that changed the world that are in this book were crazy. There was nothing normal about their life. There was nothing boring about their life. There was nothing safe about their life. And, and to be honest, your friends, they're just going to have another weekend right now. They're, they're home somewhere. They're going, I don't know what you want to do tonight. I don't know. Let's watch another movie tonight. That's what your friends are doing. You know, you, I promise you're not missing anything. Because the life that you've got where you're going to take chances to try to encounter God, God's going to meet you in. And, and it's something that's just rare. It's something you're going to get to do. And I love doing this. To be honest, this, this group of people is my favorite group of people in the world to come on a campaigner weekend. Because I'm convinced that God wants to use you to change the world you're the most important people at your high school. God has chosen you. I mean, it, it, this wasn't something where like a whole bunch of folks came, and that's purposeful. The idea was that God would put his hand on some people and draw them to a place so that we could huddle together to try to figure out what he's doing, and that's you. And, and I know this because you want life, I love high school folks because they want life. One of my first Young Life job was in 1990. Most of you weren't born yet. I was a, a senior in college, and I was going to the University of Cincinnati, and they moved me out to rural Indiana, kind of in the southeastern corner of Indiana, and I moved out to this place. It was farms. I mean, nothing. I mean, we drove a half an hour to the nearest McDonald's, you know, and I would drive out into this place. I started coaching high school football there, and they said, just start a Young Life club. It was by myself. And so I drove out, and I didn't know what else to do, so I started kind of coaching at high school football. I got to know some of the guys. They don't know Young Life. They don't know the Lord. We, we're just kind of just hanging out together at practice. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, now we've been practicing for three or four weeks. Somehow, like, it'd be cool, Lord, if some guys would start to hang out with me outside of practice. But I didn't know how to make that happen. And then one night, it was a night kind of like what you had last night, only it, it rained really hard. I mean it was absolutely pouring down rain it was kind of a cooler night we were in the fall in Indiana and all of a sudden I had this apartment that I lived in they let me live in this apartment so I didn't have to drive back and forth all the time and all by myself in this kind of one-bedroom apartment there's a knock at the door and I'm like I don't know what's going on but I go ahead and go to the door. I'm thinking it's weird I haven't even had a guest here I've only been here three weeks no one's ever knocked on my door before and I get to the door and I open it up and sure enough it's a bunch of the guys on the football team and they're like coach uh, this is a perfect night, you need to go with us. I'm like, where are we going? They're like, just, just come with us. Now at this point in time, I don't know where we're going, I don't know what we're doing, but it's pouring down rain. They're like, just get on some kind of rain clothes, let's go. I'm like, why do I want to get on rain clothes? Are we going to go outside in this? Like, what are you guys thinking? So and it was, they're all kind of slicked up. So I threw on some sweats and a sweatshirt and a rain jacket and went outside and there were all this group of guys and we had three pickup trucks. And guys kind of piled in the front and the back kind of the insides of the pickup trucks. And we started kind of heading down the road, pouring down rain. And I'm like, hey, guys, this is great. You know, like, I'm glad you guys kind of want to include me. But like, where are we going? And i are like, coach, don't worry about it. I'm thinking like, this is not good, you know. <laughs> so we're driving out, And I swear, this is the honest truth. We're driving down this road. And we kind of go out into the country. And there's nothing but kind of cornfields on either side. That's what they grow in southeastern Indiana. There's a whole lot of corn. So just, just kind of going through this little row. All of a sudden, one of the lead trucks just turns the wheel and just starts going through the cornfield. Just literally, just turns start through the corn. All three trucks are following each other. The corn is literally like flying over the top of the truck. They have their windshield wipers on as the corn is just going. And we're just driving through this field of corn. I have no idea what's on the other side. And I'm like, hey, guys, you know, like this is probably somebody's corn. And they got, like, we know the guy. It's cool. It's cool, you know? <laughs> and so finally, we kind of pull out of the corn bed. And on the other side was this set of woods and the woods kind of went down into a ravine. I could tell there was kind of a creek down there, but it's dark and it's raining, you know? And all of a sudden, all the guys get out of the truck, and all the guys kind of circle around one truck and start to get in back of one of the trucks. And I'm like, what are we doing? And they're like, this is just like a game we play. When it pours down rain, you know, we're kind of bored, so we do this, it's called mud surfing. I'm like, mud surfing? He said, yeah, we just, we all pile in the back of this pickup truck, and he's gonna rip through these woods, and the first one to fall out loses. thinking, like, you've got to be kidding me, but literally, all these guys start kind of piling in the back of this pickup truck. One guy stays in the truck behind, just kind of for safety. I don't know, so he can run over the guy who falls out or whatever, (laughs) but he's kind of, there's one guy who's like, you know, I'm the safety guy, whatever that is, so he stays in the truck behind. All the rest of them, so I'm piling in the truck, and Rand Ballard was our middle linebacker, and he was was very insane, as most middle linebackers are, and he, I I went to him, and I said, Rand, like, um, you just gotta, what's the secret? You just give me some hint. I mean, I've never done this before. He goes, oh, I'll hook you up. He goes, listen, just wake your way towards the front, okay? And he said, when you start to fall, just kind of reach and grab the fog lights that are kind of on top of the truck. Just kind of grab them real quick. Most of the time, now if the guys see you, they're going to throw you out of the truck. If they see you grab them, that's the rules. If you grab any part of the truck, you got to go hands-free, but if you grab something, they throw you out of the truck. I'm thinking, okay, so I make my way towards the front. I'm kind of up towards where the floodlights are now Little did I know that's not really good advice because when you're up by the floodlights It's like having like an epileptic seizure of strobe lights (laughs) because all that happens is the truck bounces up and down You just can't see anything. I mean, you're absolutely blind At least the guys in the back have a little time to see what's coming because as I'm up at the front And I'm kind of we're jumping up and down and I'm thinking, okay, at least I've got some guys around me You know, maybe I won't go out too fast and and all of a sudden, as we kind of go down, we come out of this ravine, there's this tree branch that I kind of see that comes over the floor right, right to where my head is. And literally, like last minute, I kind of go, whoo, in the limb. I really felt it kind of go across the top of my head. And I turned around, and there was another one. <laughs> I mean, it hit me so hard. This is honest truth. It hit me so hard in the head that the next thing it hit was the back of my head on the bed of the truck. I slid to the back of the truck and hit the gate at the back of the truck passed out cold. Literally the next memory I have was a Brad Schwing, our 6-6 tackle, who went to play at the University of Cincinnati, holding me in his arms like this and he's going, I think he's dead. <laughs> and literally that's what I remember. Like, Is he dead? Shut up man, he's not dead. What are we gonna do if we killed him? Like that's the conversation that's going on. Like what are they gonna do with this dead coach's body, you know? And I, I tell you, because here's the thing, those, that group of guys were absolutely nuts. And when they lived in the middle of the nowhere, like they just made fun out of absolutely stupid stuff, out of unsafe stuff. I mean, we did ridiculous things together out of sheer boredom. Because here's the thing, they wanted life and they didn't want boredom. And just like you, and just like me, I sat in your shoes. Back in 1984, I on our first campaigner weekend ever. I was trying to figure out this whole God thing, and they talked about this phrase your leaders have said. They said, John ten ten that Jesus Christ has come, that he would give you life and life to the full. And I remember thinking, okay, like I'm already kind of starting to believe in this God thing. I'm starting to believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I know that I need him in my life, but how do I get life to the full? What does life to the full look like? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. As a matter of fact, if you've got notes there, I'm going to like take you through notes there. These would be great for you to have because here's the thing. You all are going to go back. You're going to lead Bible studies at your high school. You guys, as you get to become upperclassmen in your school, there are going to be freshmen and sophomores that you're going to lead in Bible studies. And you're going to want some notes. You're going to want some things to look back on. A lot of you are going to go in college and you're going to lead and be leaders in a Young Life in college. You need notes. You need some things you can go back to to help you. Some of you are going to be on the staff. You're going to work with us in the team one day. Do you know, part of your history of being here is going to be neat. You are the first time, the group of people to do this. You know that, don't you? I mean, you do know that one day, many of you will come back in this room as leaders, and it'll be a campaigner weekend, and this room will look very different. You know we're breaking ground here this next summer. We're going to start finishing off this camp. And when you come back here, this room's going to be full. And you're going to go, I remember the time when it was a concrete floor. And there was just a few of us kind of in here. And we were the ones that God used to plant the seed for this whole thing, that's what you're gonna remember. Because it's a part of this journey of life to the full. So as you got your notes, you can see kinda here, here's the secret, this first part of this whole idea of life to the full, and you gotta get this. Let me tell you this again. If you want a safe, boring, predictable life, just mentally check out. If you wanna just kinda put on the plastic, you know, I'll put on my Jesus face when I go to Jesus things, I'll put on my other face when I go to other things, I'll be whoever I need to be, wherever I need to be. I'm in control. You'll have a safe, boring, predictable life. That's what you'll get. And and that's okay if that's what you want. The truth is probably not all of you all will get it this weekend. But for those of you who kind of lean up and you go, no, 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 What, what is, what could it be? What could it really be? Here's the secret. Jesus, when he talks in John 10, 10 about life to the full, it's in the context of a whole passage. And the whole passage is about one thing. And it culminates in that phrase of this is the secret to life to the full. And here it is. Life to the full is revert, reserved for those who know his voice. That life to the full in Christ happens to those who learn to know God's voice. That's what the whole passage is about. I mean, you could see it here. In, uh, in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And by the way, that's not just I give them eternal life like when they die, they go to heaven. That's not what he says. The sheep that know me, that they listen to my voice and they follow me, I give them life now and life eternal. That's what that word means. We don't translate it really well. But it means I'm going to give them full and real and deep and rich life now. Let me tell you something. Your leaders who are following Christ, and I don't know that all of them are, but some of them are, and you probably know the difference. The ones who look like they really have life, they have pain in their life. They have sadness in their life. They laugh deeply. They cry deeply. But one thing they're not is bored. They're not bored. Because it's one of the only promises I can give you out of this whole thing. He's going, this is what life to the full is. It'll be full of ups and downs, but full. You'll never lay in bed at night and go, man, I'm just having midlife crisis at age 15. You, you, You don't have that. Because when you listen to his voice, it says, no one can snatch them out of my hand. That's the scripture that he uses. Now, as soon as I say that, you think, well, like, how do you know God's voice? Like, I got some uh, guys who I meet with back home, and our campaigner group meets these guys and girls, and we're together. One of the things we talk about is, how do you know God's voice? And you know, one's like, you know, like, I don't know, like, what's it sound like? He's, well, this is God. You know, like, what's God's voice sound like? And we started saying, well, how, how would you know what God's voice sounded like? And so we started having this conversation and then we finished. And then the next day we were up to the high school and one of my senior guys was walking out of the locker room after practice. And as he was walking out of the locker room, he was kind of going up the hill. There was a freshman who was kind of standing up there and he was waiting for a ride and he didn't have a ride. You know, so that's, he kind of has the freshman look like I'm a loser. I'm a freshman. I don't have a ride. I'm waiting for a ride. I wish my mom would come, you know, blah, blah, blah. And as he walked up, the senior said to him, George Murray, he said to him, hey, say, listen, um, as I, uh, uh, he said, hey, man, have a good day. You know, did you have a good practice? Cool. See you, man. And he walked on, and he got about, you know, 15 feet away, and I saw George kind of go, and I'm kind of trailing from behind, and I saw him go, kind of shrunk his shoulders. And he turned around, and he went back, and he's like, dude, you need a ride? And the freshman's kind of like, you know, and he's like, come on. And as he walked over, he put his arm, I heard him say, so how was your practice? And they started to go, and they started to get in the car. It was so fun the next day, I said to him, hey, hey, listen. I said, George, listen. Remember how we were talking about how do you hear God's voice? I said, I got a a question for you. Yesterday, I watched, I witnessed this. You were walking out, you were going home, and I know the kid you were taking home lives on the other side of the planet. You know, it cost you time, it cost you gas, it was a pain. I said, I saw you walk by him, and I saw you turn and ask him if you needed a ride. And all I want to know is this question, why? Why did you do it? You were in the clear. I mean, you were 15 feet away with your back turned. He didn't ask you for a ride. It was smooth sailing. And for some reason, you stopped and you look back and you ask, why? What possessed you? And this is what he said. And tell me if you don't have these moments. He goes, I don't know. I just felt like it was what I was supposed to do. Said, That's God's voice. You see, it starts off as this thing when you are growing up, you call conscious. You know, it's this sense that you go like, this is right and that was wrong. And that felt right and that felt wrong. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of people who get their conscious seared. They, they stop listening to the voice of God. And they have what we call no conscience. But what happens is if you start to listen to the voice of God, the less that you ignore it, the more that you say yes to his dares, the more it'll kind of cultivate. And so things happen. He speaks to you through his word. You get to test that with other people and you start to figure this thing out. So, what we're going to do, we're going to look at what are some ways to listen to his voice. You're doing it here this weekend, so let's take a look at it. Here's the story Matthew 14, you got it right there in your notes. It says, this is just one story. It says, immediately. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And here's the first thought I wanted you to have. To listen to God, listen with urgency. It says immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. It wasn't like when they wanted to. It was like there's a sense of urgency to it. It's like we got to do this thing. I want to listen to God in this moment, in this day, by listening with consistency. You see, part of the reason the disciples could listen to Jesus is they heard his voice all the time. And you tell me about this. If you're trying to figure out like, okay, how do I really hear God's voice? How do I really hear God's voice? Think about this. You know the voices of teachers you have. They can be talking down the hallway. You know their voice because you listen to them every day. You know, if coaches, it's funny, one of our football coaches has this whistle and he can kind of do this thing, you know, with the tongue and the teeth and he just kind of and it's like a distinctive thing to all the guys on the team. We were at Windy Gap once and he came as an adult guest. The guys didn't know he was coming. We were all the way over by the Windy Gap club room. He pulled in up the road and gave out his whistle, and you saw about 20 guys kind of go, like, holy crap, Coach Rue's here, because they know. It's the consistency. They hear the whistle so many times, they know it. You know what your parents are going to say to you before they say it, don't you? By the looks on their face, a lot of times you're like, oh, I know this one. I know this lecture, right? Your boyfriend or girlfriend, you start to sense your friends that are closest to you start to think, I know what's going to happen here. It's the same thing. By listening with consistency to God, how do you do that? That's what you're doing here. That's why they were trying to have you go off by yourself and try to figure out how can I do it to learn how he thinks. And here's the second part. It says, after he had dismissed them, so Jesus puts them on the boat immediately. He goes up to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. You did this this morning. Listen alone and don't fear loneliness. And one of the things I'm going to tell you, if you truly choose to follow God, like if you have the guts to truly follow God, you are going to deal with loneliness. I'm just letting you know, it's part of the prescription. Here's the great news. He's also going to give you a depth of friendships and relationships that other people can't fathom. I mean, you ask your Young Life leaders, it's like, there's a sense, I know, you know, I have a wife, I have two kids, if something happened to one of my kids— I know that there are guys who would be on a plane and on a car tomorrow, no questions asked. They would be at my house and they would stay as long as they had to. Deep, rich friendships. Richer than other people would dream to have. But I also know this, you'll be lonely. There are times that you're lonely and it's part of the prescription because when you're alone is when you realize that you're not alone. Part of listening to God's voice is by being alone and realizing I- I'm not really alone. And God gets us alone sometimes. That's why not being afraid to go out and do what you did this morning. You know, you think about this. I've been taking kids to Young Life Camp for 23 years. I've been going to Young Life Camps with kids. What's the most powerful part of camp every year for 23 years? We change the songs, we change the skits, we change the speech, we do everything else. What's the one thing that when kids stand up and they go, this was transforming to my life, what do they refer to? 20 minutes alone. That's just coincidence. I mean, it's only been happening for the last 60 years. Isn't it amazing? The most transforming time that most people point to is the time when they were alone. We put them in a place with hundreds of people, and they come back and they go, and then there was this time during this 20 minutes when we were sent out to be alone. It's because it's God's, Jesus models it. He does it. He prescribes it. And if you want to listen to God, you have to learn how to be alone and take time. To try to figure out, like, okay, a crazy thought pops into your head, right? You're alone, and you're kind of reading, and a crazy thought pops into your head, and you're thinking, like, okay, was that God, or is that, like, bad Mexican food? Like, what, what is that, right? And God will keep reconfirming the thought, and then you'll share it with somebody who you know is also trying to listen to God's voice, and they'll go, that does sound like God. And then you'll look in this book, and you'll go, that does seem consistent with who God is. I think that's what God wants me to do, even if it's crazy. Catch this next one. So the boat's already a considerable distance from the land buffeted by the waves and the winter against it, and during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake, listening beyond the logical. I mean, that is not logical. If I was Jesus, I would have got in another boat. Jesus says, that's cool, I'll just walk on water, right? And here's the thing, if you're going to listen to God's voice, you've got to think through this. Listening to God's voice is not always going to be the logical thing. I tend to think God is like a bigger, smarter one of me, you know, don't you? It's like, when I think like, oh, you know, what does God think? Well, he thinks like me. He's just a little wiser. He's just been around the block a few more times. If you read this book, you go, he doesn't think anything like me at all. He does crazy stuff. I mean, I read stories in here and I think like, are you kidding me? Why would he do that? But he always has a purpose. Always. It's always cool how they weave together. And sometimes God's going to call you to do illogical things. It's illogical to be a senior and to be walking out of practice and to walk by a freshman and to go spend your gas and your time and to get home 45 minutes late. That's illogical. I've watched it happen through all kids' lives in their high school. I'll tell you about Mark Ashbaugh. He was one of the kids. He was a senior at worthington Kilbourne High School. A guy was transforming that high school. He went on a campaigner weekend, just like this. He sat in a little seminar in an afternoon, just like this. And one of the conversations came up. One of the seminar speakers started asking him questions. They were asking questions about what you're going to do your senior year. And one of the seniors, Mark was just listening. One of the seniors said in the in the conversation, he just said, "You know, well, you know, at our school we have senior option. That's what we had, which meant basically if you were a senior, you had to take, you know, government, math, and." you know, English or whatever. But besides the three courses you had to take, you you didn't have to keep taking classes. So our seniors had what they called senior option, which meant like they could sleep until 11 and then come take their three classes, or they could take their three classes and leave at 11. And almost all the seniors did that. It was like, you know, shoot, we're out of here. Some of them took jobs. Most of them just went home and played Nintendo games or slept in or whatever. And they were like, this is the coolest thing about being a senior at Kilbourne High School. And the speaker kind of challenged him, the person who was leading the seminar. And Mark did this. I didn't even know he did this at first. It was crazy. Um, all of a sudden, we started coming to Young Life Club and literally 30, 40, 50 freshmen started coming to club. I mean, it's crazy. Our club swelled up to over 250 kids. And I'm thinking like, like I don't even know what's kind of like happening, but Mark, like literally, not, he got to the point where he not only filled a car, he not only filled a van, they would fill an RV full of people and bring it to the club. I'm just kind of like, what what is going on? What is this kid doing? This is what he did. While his senior buddies were home playing, you know, their video games, Xboxing, Mark took a freshman history class. He signed up for a freshman history class that he didn't need to have. The school was so confused that he did it. They didn't understand why he did it. The teacher was like, this kid's, I do he's coming to like kind of screw up my class. I can't believe he's going to, they didn't want to let him in the class. He was like, no, no, I just, I just want to come. I'm just going to be in your class. I'm going to help. I'll help you. And so he said, just give me a couple of weeks. You can, you can throw me out of class three weeks from now if you want to. So he sat in the class. The teacher kind of had to give him the chance. I mean, it's his education. He signed up for it, right? He's just going to this history class. He knows all the answers. He's a senior. It's a freshman history survey class, you know, and so he's hanging out with these freshmen. He's helping them with their homework. He's helping them get ready for tests. He's almost like a teacher's assistant in the sense, like, the teacher's kind of like, man, this is great. Like, my class is better because of this kid. Meanwhile, all these relationships, because he did something that was completely illogical. It didn't make sense. Here's something crazy about Kilbourne High School. This last year, I've been gone there now. I was there a decade and then gone three more years. This last year, 118 of them from one high school went to summer camp. It's the 11th year in a row over 100 kids from one high school went to summer camp together. Picture that. Going to summer camp with over 100 people from your high school. It happens. It started with Mark's senior class taking leadership in his school. It happened. And it's still going over a decade from when he started it. And think about this this is true it's crazy in their school do you know what else kilbourne high school does now they ask seniors to go into freshman classes and be teacher aides that's normal now <laughs> seniors asks are asked if they'll come and help freshmen in their classes the teachers are the point where they're kind of like man if i don't have a senior aide in my class like what's wrong with that that's normal that it was illogical now it's something beautiful because someone listened to the voice of God and said, that sounds really stupid. I think I'm supposed to do that. (laughs) Right? What is it that God is calling you to do to think through this thing? It says, when the disciples see him walking on the lake, they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage in his eye and don't be afraid. See, one of the things that listening to God is, is you have to do it anticipating fear. There's going to be this point of fear, when he asks you to do something. When Mark thought to himself, if I do this, my friends are going to totally rip me. And then there's peace. You anticipate his fear and you listen for his peace because what happens is listening to God is not safe. It's way better than X next games. You don't live a self-controlled, achieving life. Do you know this? How many of you are seniors in here right now? You do realize that your first quarter is almost over you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to be out of there. Have you thought through this? It really is true. Think of all the things that are most important and what your friends think, and we're going to be friends forever. No, you're not. You're going to be with them three more quarters. And then ask your leaders about all their high school friendships, and they'll tell you, there are a few friendships that I have that are deep and rich. They were probably the ones they had in Christ. But all the people that they were worried about what they thought, they don't see anymore. It's so important to you now. But you're going to blink and it's going to be over. I mean, I mean, one of the things that we do to face our fears is to kind of go, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me let me really think through this big picture-wise. What's God doing? Am I going to chicken out? Am I going to step back? Or am I going to lean in? We can't be afraid. But that's what happens when we listen to his voice. God speaks to us things, and we kind of go, ho God. Like, I'm an upperclassman. You want me to go to the underclassman's lunch table and sit with them? My friends are going to kill me if I do that. And God goes, yeah, I want you to do it. And eventually, one of your friends is going to be a real friend. They're going to go with you. And you're going to leave an impact on that school long after you leave. Get up and go to the other lunch table. Oh, God, you've got to be kidding me. Go talk to that group of kids that you don't know. Are you kidding me? See, this is what your Young Life leaders do. Have you ever wondered why they come up to your school? You're like, don't you have any friends your own age? Don't you wonder that about your leaders? (laughs) They're scared to death to go to your school. They get out of the car when they get to your school and they go, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. That's what they do. But you know what the difference is? They have the guts to keep going. They have the guts to step on and keep going. But they're scared to death. And they're cool. You live in your school. And it's your chance. All right, your butt's got to be killing you by now. Stand up for a second. Stretch out. We're almost done. We're going to go really fast. Stretch out. Hit the pause button. Stretch out. You're doing great. You're doing great. We'll hyperspeed the end here. grab a seat grab a seat five minutes ten minutes we'll wrap up we'll wrap up I want you to have a live butt for the end I know it's hard I know it's hard Lord if it's you Peter replied tell me to come to you on the water come he says and Peter gets out of the boat and steps on the water that's what we're talking about And here's the thought, when you listen for his mission, you'll live in his presence. I can't tell you a number of people and they go, like, I want to experience God's presence. How do I experience God's presence? Well, part of the reason, the way you experience God's presence is you go to where God's moving. You go do the things God's doing. You join him in what he's doing. God wants to transform you in your high school. Join him in what he's doing. When you live for his mission, you'll live in his presence. You'll experience him. But too many people miss this. And see, this is the way it is. You tell me if this isn't the way it is. It's like, this is me, and this is the rest of the world. And it all revolves around me. Don't you watch? Isn't this the majority of the people at your high school? You watch. It's like, it's me, and it's all about me. Is that leading to life to the full? Real happiness, true depth, real friendships, life to the full. Not at all. Not at all. And you watch it happen all the time. Then they'll suck somebody else into their vortex, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Don't don't you think this happens? It's like, and then they'll try to rotate it around that. One of the guys in our football locker room, uh, or weight room the other day, they were lifting weights, and this kid just sucked, and he's a good kid, and he just was stinking up the joint, kind of working out, and was out of it. I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? This is what he said. He said, coach, man, I just don't know what to do, man. It's like my girlfriend broke up with me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a bummer, you know, and I said, like, why are you so bummed? He said, well, you know, like, we've been going out for two years, and I mean, I don't want her to break up with me. Like, I just kept telling her, please don't break up with me. And She did, and I mean, I don't know how I'm going to live without her. I said, well, you want to know why she broke up with you? Because you don't know how to live without her. She wasn't created to be in the center of your life. Isn't that every high school relationship you watch? Boy and girl start to like each other. Then they start to date. They go out once. Then they go out twice. Then they start going out every other night of the week, you know, and then they start texting in between their phone calls, in between their Facebooks, right, and it's like they, the vortex sucks their relationship in to where it's tighter and tighter and tighter, and what starts to happen? The guy's friends start to say what to him? Dude, you are so right, and, and, and the girls start to go, well, you know, like, we never get to see you anymore, right, you know, yeah, this is what happens, right, used to be friends, and now you don't spend any time with us, right, and, and they get together, what they were not created to be and they start to suck the life out of each other without knowing until finally the alarm goes off and you tell me if this is not what happens one of them it's like an alarm goes off in their head and they think like this just doesn't feel right and so they go to the other person what do they say we just need a break break, some space translation could you get a life please (laughs) i mean that's what the relationship's saying would you get a life And the other person panics instead of going, you know what, I have a life outside you. I don't need you. It's funny. Have you ever wondered, I've wondered this as guys a lot. Guys, tune in with me on this. Have you ever wondered, like, sometimes there's this great girl, and she's dating a guy who's a total jerk to her, and you're like, why is she dating that jerk? Well, it's because he doesn't communicate need to her. It seems like he has, and and that's attractive. There's a strength. It's twisted, but there is a piece of it that has truth in it. That we weren't created. I tell folks this all the time when you think about it. I mean, that's why like when a girl starts to break up with a guy, I'm like, first thing you need to do is just act like you don't care if she breaks up with you. And then all of a sudden she might get interested again. (laughs) It's because of the principle. The principle is this. When you're living for the right mission and you're living in God's presence, all of a sudden you have a strength that's different. Things change and that's attractive and people do want to be around you. But when you, you put other things in that center of life, it doesn't work, and you know that as well as I do. The only time it works is when you have two really, really needy people. You guys know that there are a few relationships in your high school where like they're so sickly needy that they just kind of cling to each other, and you're just kind of like, ooh, <laughs> like neither of you have a life, right? That's not really what you want either. So then the wind, he sees the wind. Peter's out on the water living for the mission, and he becomes afraid and he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. And it says, immediately, Jesus stepped on his head and shoved him under the water and said, you're stupid. He didn't say that at all. season, Swinging up. He says, Jesus reached out his hand and said, you have little faith, why do you doubt? Here's one of the things you learn to listen for. I'm telling you, if you want to listen to God, as you listen for his forgiveness and grace. Listen for his forgiveness and grace. And here's the thing, you and I don't understand. I'm telling you, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand and have you get one thing that would transform your life, it would be this if you only understood how God really saw you, it would change your whole life. You see, this is what we think. You know, in our world, the financial markets crash, and so we have money, uh, things on our mind. So think about this. It's like, what we picture is like, I have this bank account, right? And like, I sin, I screw up, blah, 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 I feel bad, right? So like, I've spent that money, I go into debt. And Jesus dies on the cross and bails me out. That's not an accurate description. Jesus dies on the cross and gives you more money than you can ever spend. I mean, you could run around and just throw it in the air, and there's still more. There's still more. His love and affection for you is gigantic. It's like me with my two little kids. I've got a three-year-old, Grant, and a, a five-year-old, Grace. There's nothing that they can do to earn my love. I mean, they color pictures, you know, and it's like they color their pictures, and they come up and Grace is like, Daddy, I made this for you, you know, and it's like, oh, honey, that is so awesome. I love that. In my mind, I'm thinking, I got like 95 of those hanging in my office. It's not, you're not a Rembrandt, honey. It's not going to happen. But I love it because it's from her. My son, I don't turn to my son and go, and you stink. You can't even color in the lines. (laughs) I mean, they can bring me their best. And it has nothing to do with what they give me. I just am excited they want to bring something to their daddy. And God feels the same way about you. It's like, why are we so convinced that God's disappointed in us all the time? It's absolutely insane. Give me your hand. What's your name? Haley. Haley, come here. All right. Haley's going to play a little example with me. Haley, let's say um, that uh, I came to you and I said, Haley, listen, um, we're going to be in Columbia and my Lisa and I are staying there and um, my God, my nephew is coming. And my nephew, let me tell you something, he's hot, okay? Like <laughs> he's a stud. You're going to like him. Fun personality, He's really, really, I'm telling you, like, this guy could be your husband, all right? Will you go out on a date with him? You'd say yes? Okay, sure. So, okay, good. <laughs> Just pretend you'd say yes. Okay, so she's, okay, now, we come t- to the door, and it's like, all right, we're coming over the date. We come to the door, and you open the door, and he's none of those things. How do you feel? A little bit disappointed, A little disappointed, right? It'd <laughs> be logical. Now, I come to you, and I say, hey, listen, Lisa and I are going to be in Columbia. My nephew's coming in. I got to be honest with you. Like, I need a favor, really. Um, my cousin, he's not the most attractive guy in the world, okay? To be honest, he's kind of hard to look at, and uh, his personality rivals that board over there, and you know, like I, I'm just telling you, like, to be honest, this is going to be a fairly painful date. I need you to do it anyway, because Lisa and I, we'll just make it fun. Will you, will you do it? And as a favor, if you said yes, right? If he came to the door, and he was all those things, are you disappointed? Why not? Because he knew it was going to be like that? Yeah. Thank you. Grab a seat. Give her a hand, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Here's the thing think through this concept. This is true. It's all based on what? Expectation. Expectation. Okay. What does God not know about you? Nothing, nothing. Oh, really? I mean, and yet we think like God goes, oh my gosh, I had no idea you thought like that. Oh, that's right. I'm God. I know your <laughs> thoughts before you think them right? I had no idea you would do that. Oh, that's right. I know the numbers of the hairs on your head. Nothing is a surprise to me. Do you think I'm surprised when my three-year-old has an accident and wets his pants? I'm like, oh man, that's a bummer. Hope I have some other pants in the car. Not surprised? Not shocked? And neither is God. He's so crazy about you. But we got to listen for his voice of forgiveness and grace. We can't just, just say it and not believe it. Here's the last thing. We're done. It says, when they climbed in the boat, the wind dies down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Listen for who he is and worship him. That's what we started talking about today. Listen for who he is and worship him. The response to God was you experience God. And some of you did that this morning. I was driving here this morning, driving through the mountains, and I was just like, God, you are cool. I mean, this is just cool. No accident. I mean, it's just, this is who you are. And my response was to worship him just go, God, man, I love you. The way you think, the way you create. It's amazing. How cool is it that you thought to do this with trees? You know? I mean, you could have just made them green all the time. But you decided not to. And so we, we begin to listen to him. We begin to listen. We go, God, I can't believe that you would do this this way. You are so cool. It gets us in that heart of worship. And so I hope that as we do worship, we'll kind of learn to worship together this day, listening for who he is. I will tell you this by way of foreshadowing. As you get older, this is the way the voice of God has changed for me. When I was your age, I was listening and going, okay, God, just tell me what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want me to do. And I do think God did that. I think just because he appreciated me trying, there's stuff God helped me do. And I started to take steps and do stuff. And God did stuff. It was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm exper- we're in this thing, life to the full. As I got older, I started realizing that the voice started to change a little bit. So I started thinking like, the voice is more about not what I do, but who I'm becoming. So then it became more about like, God, who are you making me to be? How are you changing me? And now as I'm entering a different stage of life, the voice has changed again. Where I'm realizing, now it's more just about who he is. It's going, this was never about you. This was always about me. And you're starting to learn so many cool things about him. Life to the full is taking a whole new depth at 40. It wouldn't like it figured out at 15. And so as you're here this weekend, I want to give you this thought. We're gonna, all we're going to do is stop right now and we're going to ask you uh, to take out, if you're flipping those questions back to the Friday night questions. We're, we're going to get up, don't worry. Your butts are done. But I'm just going to ask you to go off with your leader. If there's a group of you from your school together, even better, go jump in a tent, hang out in the corner, take a walk, whatever you want take 20 minutes and just go, you don't have to answer every question, but just have a conversation with your leaders. Pick the question you feel like answering and just go, hey, let's all answer that question. But just have a little bit of process time, a little bit of conversation as you guys kind of walk out and about. Let me tell you, I want to commend you that you're willing to even come here, that you're willing to say yes to this there. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for these friends. I thank you for this group of people that you called and how awesome it is, uh, Lord, that they said yes, that they were not scared, that when other people kind of cowered back, that they leaned in. I thank you that you've chosen them, that it's for a purpose, and Lord, that you want to reveal yourself to them in such a way they would know a full life. I pray that they would never be bored. I pray that as they sit in their second period English class, boredom would not be the feeling because they know you're at work, you're alive, and something's happening in that class probably has nothing to do with English. It has everything to do with you. I pray, Lord, that they would not know boredom. I pray that in loneliness, they would know that they're with you. And I ask God that you would cause them to have some groups of friends that would band together and decide that they want to listen to your voice for the rest of their life. Bless them as they go and talk together to have real conversations and real deep friendships. In Jesus' name, amen.